Hello and welcome to the UCL News Podcast. I'm George. And I'm Claire. As usual this week, we've been pacing the corridors and peering into the darkest corners of UCL to bring you the latest news. And this week, we also sent our new roaming reporter and UCL graduate, Henry Green, to find out more about the upcoming US election. Henry went to interview Professor Ewan Morgan from the UCL Institute of the Americas to get his take on last week's televised debate between Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. And Henry's also with us here today. Hi, Henry. Hello. Hello. Also this week, Lunch Hour Lectures are back with a bang, kicking off with an old favourite with Professor Steve Jones. I caught up with Professor Jones earlier to get him to tell us a little bit more about the history of Lunch Hour Lectures and also delve into the surprisingly racy world of snails and art. Yep, more on that later. But first, the news. Good news for museum fans. The Grant Museum of Zoology is now open to the public on Saturdays. Saturdays! From 1pm <laughs> till 5pm, as well as on weekday afternoons. This exciting development is really a kind of measure of the success of the Grant Museum over the past few years, um, especially since it relocated to its new venue on University Street. Um, the museum runs an active programme of events and exhibitions for adults and families, and the local Camden community are one of its most important audiences. Current events include the Adding to the Grant Museum Recent Acquisitions Mini Exhibition, which displays some of the weird and wonderful specimens the museum has recently acquired. Yep, it's always worth a visit and it's just a fab museum that's fast becoming a top London destination. And staying with the zoology theme, can anyone tell us what this noise is? The sharp-eared among you will know that it's a back call and this week UCL Academics launched a new website which gives us all the opportunity to become amateur conservationists. That's right. Um, Professor Kate Jones and the citizen science people behind Zooniverse are asking for the public's help to monitor back calls across Europe. The Bat Detective website allows visitors to take part in conservation by listening out for bat tweets in recordings collected from over 80,000 kilometres of roads by thousands of volunteers, including bat recordings from the heart of Transylvania. By sorting through the sound recordings into insect and bat calls, bat detectives will help biologists learn how to reliably distinguish bat tweets to develop new automatic identification tools. If you want to get involved, do visit www.batdetective.com. Yeah, so get involved with that. It's a great it's a great thing to do. Um, so now we turn to our new member of the podcast team, Henry. Hello. Hello, guys. Um, so, Henry, you've become UCL's new roving reporter over the past few weeks, so writing news articles for the website and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I have been. Um, I covered some stories from all around UCL. Really, last week, I made an audio slideshow about the um, the Freshers' Fair, or what used to be called the Freshers' Fair. They've just renamed it the Welcome Fair to um, just reflect you know, the uh, involvement of postgraduate students as well. I mean, in part of that, I spoke to loads of clubs and societies about what they offer students and put it together as a piece of multimedia communications um which you can now see on the ucl tv youtube channel yeah it, it's really great and and you've recently been very involved with uh, ucl student life yourself haven't you yeah that's true um i just graduated from ucl doing a degree in english um while i was there i was also the editor of this student newspaper called pi so yeah i think i've got fairly good insight of what's happening with students at ucl at the moment yeah, probably better than us old fogies <laughs> wasting away. Definitely. So <laughs> do take a look at Henry's slideshow. There's some uh, masterful editing in there Thank as you. well and good soundtrack. Yep. So that's all the news for this show. But stay tuned to hear my interview with Professor Steve Jones about the portrayal of snails in art and a potted history of UCL's Lungshar Lecture Series. I'm Steve Jones. I was until recently, until I retired, Professor of Genetics at University College London. 
The first one I gave was probably called Is Human Evolution Over? And the content of that lecture can be summarized in one word, yes. And I actually like talking to mixed audiences. It's much easier to talk to a very diverse audience and a large audience, uh, as the kind that goes to lunch in our lectures, um, than it is to speak to a, very, uh, to a very small and a very specialized audience, which is much more challenging. Uh, many people think the opposite is true, but it's not. Uh, one thing which has very much changed in the lunch hour lectures, there was a period when they were mainly filled with mad old men who used to come down from Euston Station. Um, either those mad old men are died off or I've joined their ranks and don't notice how crazy they are. I think every biologist has got a guilty secret, which is that they started as a bird watcher. And that was certainly true in my case. Uh, I wasn't particularly good at it, I'm not particularly good at biology. Um, but people like uh, Jim Watson of Watson and Crick was actually an avid bird watcher. Um, and certainly in my day, and that was some years ago, that's what gave you your introduction to the world of biology, was an interest in natural history, and that's what uh, certainly did it for me. I think things have changed, certainly at UCL they've changed, because the students at UCL don't really want to save the planet um, in general, they want to cure brain cancer. So UCL's biology is very medically oriented, and uh, I'm kind of on the edge of that. Well, I was given an essay to write when I was an undergraduate 50 years, 50 or so years ago um, at the University of Edinburgh, an essay on the evolution and genetics of land snails, and I still haven't finished the essay. And that, that happens to quite a lot of people, actually. But ironically, working on snails, and I hope I can illustrate this in this talk, um, reminds us how new genetics is. Because when I started in the business in the early 1960s, um, Really, there were very few creatures, almost none, where you could go out and you could count genes in populations. You can ask how many of this type are there, how many of that type are there. And snails, these snails were of that kind. They have, they have very, they're very pretty, they're pink or they're yellow, they have stripes or they don't have stripes and various other changes in pattern on the shell. And they're genetic and you, go out, you can go out and count them. But now, of course, you can do that to any creature, ourselves included, by doing it with DNA. It's more expensive, by a long way, but in many ways it gives you the same kinds of answers. I mean, snails have lots and lots of advantages for an experimental biologist. They're sluggish, that's an old joke. They don't move around much, which means you can mark them, for example, and you can, one of the things I did some years ago was to invent a paint that fades at a measurable rate when exposed to the sun, and you can put snails in different patterns out into the wild and come back after a month or so and ask how much has each individual animal been active in daylight. And it turns out that the shell pattern, dark or light, makes quite a big difference. And in fact, it's related to the extent of patchiness in the habitat in which they live. Uh, if they live on short grass, from the point of view of sunlight, um, everything's more or less the same. If they live in a thorn bush, there are patches of light and patches of dark. And that actually is where I got the tie of the art of snails and snails in art because there are many paintings which have got snails in them but you have to look pretty hard because they're hidden away in the painting. There are lots of artists who worked on snails. There's a whole school of them really um, who were the painters of the wonderful 18th and 17th century Dutch flower paintings and people are familiar with these I think in general. They're, they're always uh, still lives of a, of a um, of a bowl of flowers, often extraordinarily beautifully painted, and uh, people are often struck by the butterflies and so on flying around them. These have a very deep religious message. The message is that this flower is beautiful, 
but it will fade and die and it will be eaten away by the caterpillars and so on of these butterflies. So it's a reminder of mortality. And now some of those paintings, you have to look pretty hard, have actually got snails in them. They're actually the same species that I work on and uh, I discovered this some years ago and I was quite amazed by it. And that gave me an interest really in that subject. And Steve Jones's lecture is also available on the Lunch Hour Lectures YouTube channel, so do go and check it out if you have a moment. Yeah, and on the topic of public speaking, uh, as George earlier mentioned, last week I went to see Professor Ewan Morgan at the UCL Institute of the Americas to, pick, to really pick his brains about last week's debate between Obama and uh, Mitt Romney. Professor Morgan really is a world expert, so it was very kind of him to speak to us. started by asking him for his general reaction to last week's uh, debate and in general what we learned from it. It was not a sure-footed performance by Obama. He uh, had to ask for more time to make his points. Uh, uh, he seemed hesitant. Uh, he wasn't the confident performer in the debates of 2008. Uh, we learned that uh, Mitt Romney is a pretty good debater. Uh, all the opinion polls that I've seen indicate that uh, uh, they uh, rated uh, Romney the winner over Obama and uh, by quite a substantial margin, uh, two to one uh, in some cases. Uh, the Democrats were uh, playing down uh, the debates uh, at the weekend saying that uh, Romney had much more experience of the debate, a recent experience, and that he was likely to emerge the winner. Uh, of course, this was managing expectations. I don't think anyone anticipated that uh, he would do as well as he did. And it was a gaff-free performance by the Republican. Yeah. Uh, Romney had uh, obviously been preparing uh, uh, hugely for the debates. Uh, um, uh, he, uh, uh, many of his uh, uh, critics said that he wasn't going around the country enough over the last couple of weeks, that he was spending too much time preparing. He's put a this is a huge roll of the dice for him. Uh, uh, if he wins a debate, well, what does winning actually mean? Performing better than the president? Uh, does that swing votes? We have absolutely no idea. There are mountains of academic literature written on this. Do debates make a difference? Uh, debates very rarely swing it. Uh, 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 debaters in uh, presidential debates uh, rarely make huge gaffes. You can count them on the finger of uh, one hand in all the debates that have been since 1960. Uh, so we really don't know. And uh, you can go back to 1984, where Ronald Reagan clearly uh, lost the first debate to Walter Mondale uh, uh, with an abysmal performance, yet uh, ended up uh, winning the uh, 1984 election by a landslide of nearly 20 percentage points ahead in the popular vote uh, over the Democratic candidate. The incumbents have one big advantage. They're known. Uh, and it's less important for them in many regards because they have a record, sometimes not a record that's going to help them very much, but nevertheless they have a record. The American people know Obama. Um, Obama is personally much more popular than Romney is. The interesting thing is whether Romney will go up in the population, uh, in, sorry, in the, in the popularity stakes, um, or whether you know the Democrats have still got their powder dry, they've still got the 47% gaff to play on, they've still got the opportunity to bring out negative ads. Uh, it remains to be seen. It'd be very interesting, the first post-debate poll 
the poll poll suggests that Obama has nationally a 49 to 46 lead and that he is ahead comfortably uh, in most of the uh, uh, battleground states, the so-called swing states where the election will be held. I would be surprised if Romney did not get a bounce. But what that bounce will be, it's 49-46, quite tight anyway. Will it, uh, will it pull him level? Uh, but e- e- even if that happens, I'd be surprised if uh, uh, the results um, translated into significant gains in the battleground states. Uh, the one thing that concerns me about British perspectives on this US election is that we are fixated even obsessed with the presidential race we forget that there is in many ways an equally important race for all the seats of the House of Representatives and one third of the seats of the Senate now should Barack Obama be re-elected he will in all likelihood face at least one Republican-controlled chamber of the Congress. I cannot see the Democrats recapturing the House. There's even an outside chance, although I think it's a diminished one because of uh, uh, what happened in Missouri where this Republican candidate made this truly awful statement about abortion. I think the the Democrats will uh, hold that one now and in doing so will just about cling on to the Senate. But what we have to realise is that this is a uh, system of shared powers between uh, theoretically co-equal branches. And uh, if Obama wins, uh, he we will in all likelihood face the continuation of polarised government with all the problems that that's had in the last two years. So, uh, you know, here we are fixated on, 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 on the race uh, and we are ignoring uh, an equally significant race. I haven't seen any real coverage of uh, the congressional races in the British media and that is a serious failing on, uh, on, on our part. We need to know about Congress as well as the presidency. In the case that Mitt Romney won, uh, the likelihood is that he might, he would certainly pull, his coattails would help the Republicans in the House and could even help them in the Senate. Now, what you might have uh, in 2013 will could be with a Romney presidency, a Romney House and a Romney Senate, and that could signal the end of this period of deadlock that we've had in, well, really since Obama became president. Uh, uh, and uh, the way would then be open for very significant reductions uh, in the uh, scale and role of government. And uh, if a Romney, uh, a Romney and Republican uh, single-party control of uh, the presidency and uh, Congress could make the 2012 election the most significant one for a generation. And that's all we have for this show, but we'll be back in a fortnight with more news and features from UCL. If you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can tweet us at UCL News or email us at mynews at ucl.ac.uk. Bye.